My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my me. Just the other day that an American rocket entered into space and it was very exciting to watch. Thankfully, it was successful. No one was harmed. And for those who know anything about astronauts in outer space, they receive important things like, for example, air to breathe, oxygen, through a, what they call an umbilical cord. It's like a tube, a long cable that runs from their, from their suit uh, to, to the machinery of the ship. Uh, and it provides them with important things. And it's, it's fitting that the name be umbilical cord because precisely their life depends on this cord uh, that they're, they're wearing. Well, apparently in one of the missions of the Apollo, the engineer that designed these suits for the astronauts and the umbilical cord designated the cord as the J316. And, you know, to anybody reading that, it doesn't seem like anything. But to anyone with a little bit of biblical knowledge, J316 immediately brings to mind John 316, that celebrated verse from the Gospel, which we're going to be reading in Sunday's Mass for Holy Trinity. The engineer designated the umbilical cord J316. He was a Christian and his name was Frank Denton. And so when they asked him, this NASA engineer, why he did that, he said, just as the space suit umbilical is the lifeline for the astronauts, even so, the Lord Jesus Christ can be your eternal lifeline if you will only connect John 3.16 into your heart. But what a beautiful invitation to each of us. We, of course, feed on the gospel, right? The gospel is our food. Sacred scripture, the word of God, is precisely what we, we seek our nutrition from, right? We seek our sustenance from hanging on the words of God. This is the life of the Christian. And it's good that we try to engrave certain phrases from scripture on our hearts, burn them into our memory. And John 3.16 is no exception. In fact, many consider this like the nucleus of the gospel. It's our lifeline, right? God, the, the words of Christ are our lifeline. They're our umbilical cord. Well, what is John 3.16? What does it say? What will we be reading on Sunday for the Feast of the Holy Trinity? God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned. But whoever does not believe has already been condemned 
because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There we have John 3.16 and a little more. That's the entire gospel for Sunday. And it really is an incredible passage. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is the explosion of the Christian revelation. What makes Christianity different from other religions? What also makes Christianity a development from the Jewish religion? There is more than anything, the radical nature of Christianity's message, which is that God is one and three. That God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the central mystery of our faith, and this is truly a radical position to take. We know that in the Old Testament, right, the faith of our brothers, the Jewish people, In the Old Testament, God revealed himself, and he revealed especially his oneness. God is one. And he revealed himself saying that he was like a father to to his children, that Israel was his chosen people, his beloved children. Yahweh was like a father. But as we read in the letter to the Hebrews, After having spoken many times through the prophets, in our time, God spoke through his Son, revealing that Yahweh is not only like a father, he is a father. This is what is so radical about our faith, and this is why John 3.16 is in a certain way a punch in the gut. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, revealing the true nature of the divinity. Throughout the pages of the New Testament, throughout the pages of the Gospels, that earthly life of our Lord when Jesus moved among us, when you, Lord, took on a human flesh and became friends of the apostles, dealt with them as we deal with one another. Well, whenever Jesus would pull us away to pray, He would call Yahweh, he would call God, Abba. Abba, which is in a Hebrew and Aramaic term that Israelite children used in addressing their own fathers. It would be akin to our word daddy or papa or paps or dad. All these diminutive terms that we use to express a relationship of filiation, of paternity, of a true child with his own father. This is truly what is so astonishing about what Jesus comes to tell us. And in fact, it may be really the real cause of our Lord's crucifixion was calling himself the only son of God. Right? Jesus isn't simply a child of Israel, right? He's not a child of God as the Israelites are children of God. No, he calls God his own father, and he is the only son in the strict sense of the word. He is truly the son of God by nature. This is a definitive and immediate revelation 
for God is revealed by this word with a capital W. It really is an amazing thing. In Christ, God opens his intimate life to us, which would otherwise be inaccessible if we had to rely on our own powers. We could never know the mystery of the Holy Trinity by reason alone, right? by our own powers, by merely our powers of, of, of mind, our rational powers. Rather, God has had to tell us. He has revealed himself to us. He has said, I am not only like a father, I am a father. I am a father to the Son. And I am giving you the Son as an expression of my love. This very revelation is an act of love. For the personal God of the Old Testament freely opens his heart. And the only begotten of the Father, right, the only begotten Son, comes to meet us, to make himself one with us, and lead us back to the Father. Philosophy was unable to grasp this truth, since only the light of faith can make it known. Well, this is a gift, right? The great gift of faith, the great gift of God's revelation. Lord, thank you for showing us so much about yourself. For ages upon ages, you were shrouded in mystery. You still, you still continue to be mysterious for us, but we know so much more about you now. St. Thomas Aquinas, he marveled at the fact that Aristotle, for all of his knowledge, for all of his work, his incredible philosophy, striving to understand the nature of God, he knew less than the illiterate, uneducated peasant woman who kneels there in the pews adoring Jesus Christ because she has been given the great gift of the revelation of the Son. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a family of persons. God is a trinity in unity. One God, three persons. The Father generates the Son eternally. The Son is eternally generated by the Father. And the love between them is the Holy Spirit. This is an incredible thing. And it, it, we can spend all of our life meditating on this mystery without exhausting it. How do we see our relationship with God, the Trinity? Do we realize that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, that we are abodes in which the Holy Trinity dwells? In the moment of baptism, most of us were baptized as babies, water was poured over our heads three times, and the priest, in the name of the church, says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And when that was done, we were baptized with our personal name, Joseph, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Catherine, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thomas, etc., whatever name you have. Each of us has been baptized personally in the Lord. We have been grafted onto Christ and we have been raised to the supernatural life. This means that truly we are houses in which the Holy Spirit dwells, in which all of God dwells, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
This is a great gift. Lord, thank you for this gift. Thank you for revealing yourself to us to such a degree. And help us to be more appreciative. You know, this is how love works. Love is the exchange of gifts between people. And this is what John 3.16 comes to tell us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? God loves us so much that he gives us his very self. He gives us his son who dies for each one of us so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. You all have the experience of giving and receiving gifts. Perhaps you have received a gift that really meant a lot to you, something so personal that it really hit a chord. And maybe it was so special that you've kept it ever since. You have it kept there on your shelf or locked away in a drawer, something so precious that you treasure it more than gold or silver. And normally, the gift is valuable not so much for what it is, right, for the inherent value of the material, but rather for who it's from. The gift is more about the relationship than the object itself. Or rather, the object chosen as a gift is deeply personal in nature because the person giving, to a, giving it to us knows us so well. Right, that gift is a reflection of his knowledge, her love. He or she knows us inside and out and has given us something that is a reflection of that knowledge and love. I heard once the story of a husband and wife who normally give each other gifts. Right, We give each other gifts on our birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas time, etc., and so the wife recalls one of the gifts that she received from her husband. When we were courting, when we were dating, my husband bought me a pair of hiking boots, plain brown leather with red laces, the platonic ideal of hiking boots, reminiscent of the waffle stompers of my 70s childhood. It's been two decades now, and I've marched all over the world in those boots. They're worn and cracked, showing their years the way an aging face does. Every once in a while, my husband rubs them down with oil and replaces the laces. And then he puts them back on the shoe rack without saying a word. The next day, I find them newly loved. That image of the cracked boots, those boots that have been worn and torn, that are the expression of the love between husband and wife, and how the husband makes those efforts to refresh that gift, to keep it going, which is an expression of their struggle to love each other anew. It's beautiful that she says that. The next day I find those boots newly loved, as if the husband has poured his love for her into those boots, into that gift. Again, the boots are not, what is, are not what is important, but what they symbolize. Because we, made in the image and likeness of God, are made to give 
Right? Love is expressed in gift. And when we give the thing that is most dear to us, and perhaps that is the hardest to give away, that's the greatest expression of our love. This is especially true in marriage. The gift in marriage is really one's very self. Giving ourselves to our, to our spouse exclusively and permanently. What is the gift that God gives to each one of us? Because God has called us to be his children in the Son. Right? The Father invites us to be his beloved children in the eternal Son, Jesus Christ. The Holy Father, Pope Francis, he recently said in an address for World Youth Day 2020, the Bible is the great love story between God and humanity. At its center stands Jesus, whose own story brings to fulfillment both God's love for us and our love for God. What a beautiful prayer. Lord, help us to think in this way. When we think of Scripture, when we think of the story of the Bible, help us to see that it's a great love story between you and me, between God and each one of us, between God and all of humanity. This, this is incredible. We should be overwhelmed by this reality. Lord, that you have wanted to carry out a love story with each one of us. And that this love story involves a gift, just as any, any two people in love exchange gifts. John 3.16, we forget, but it's, it's, it's a passage within a larger story, which is the dialogue between our Lord and Nicodemus, that Pharisee who comes to him by night seeking the truth, seeking to know who is this Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus reveals to Nicodemus the greatest revelation, the reality of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what is the gift, Lord, that you're giving Nicodemus in this moment? What is the gift that you have prepared with the Father and the Holy Spirit Right, this love story, this love song that you have lovingly prepared for humanity, for each one of us, for you and for me. We know that just before this passage, John 3.16, Jesus told Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is a veiled reference, of course, to your passion, Lord, to your death on the cross. You are giving Nicodemus a prophecy because you will be lifted up on the cross before the eyes of all, just as the serpent was raised up on the stake before the eyes of the Israelites, so that whoever looks to you will be saved. Whoever looks to you will be healed. And so again, we ask, what is the gift? The perfect gift of love that each of us has been given is the Son. The Son given to us by the Father. The gift is you, Lord, offered to us as our Savior, 
The gift is your sacrifice on the cross, not to condemn us, but to save us. And that's why this gospel passage is so powerful. To be saved, all we have to do is accept the gift that's given to us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him, whoever receives this gift, right, the gift of the son, will not be condemned. Whoever does not believe has already been condemned. This is the sadness of those who reject the gift, who feel that the gift is not necessary. Those who are, we could say, the party poopers, right, who don't know how to appreciate the gifts they have been given or think that they'll find something better somewhere else. We, Lord, who are here in your presence, who have made an act of faith in you as God, we want to appreciate this gift more. Think of those boots again. Those boots would be relaced, rubbed down with oil, and placed back on that shelf so that the wife would remember the ongoing and ever new love for her husband. We have to go through those motions as well. We have to remember in a vivid way the love of Jesus Christ, the spouse of the church. This is why John 3.16 is such a celebrated passage from Scripture, because it's the reminder we need of God's love for us. It's the reminder we need of God's nature. God is the loving bond between the Father and the Son. It's a reminder we need of the gift that we have been given. And so, do we have this umbilical cord? Do we have this lifeline? This lifeline to eternal life, which is connecting John 3.16 into our heart, just as that NASA engineer did with the J3.16 on the Apollo. The spiritual life is all about this. It's about recognizing the gift received and responding to that gift with our own. St. Josemaria used to often say, love is with love repaid. We receive a love, we recognize it as such, and then we respond in kind. We respond with everything we have because Jesus has given us everything he has to the very last drop of his blood. So much of this is a question of being attuned to the presence of God in our soul and grace. We said before that we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This means that each of us in our soul has been, in a sense, absorbed into the life of the Holy Trinity. We have been grafted onto Christ. We have been invited into the inner life of God. It's like when, in, when someone marries into a family, they're invited into the family dynamic, right? So even though they're an in-law, like I have many brothers and sisters-in-law, I consider them like my own siblings. I consider them to be truly a part of my family. They have entered into our family through marriage. Well, in a way, we enter into the family of God 
that unity of the three divine persons, that loving dialogue between the Father and the Son, which is the Holy Spirit, we are introduced into that family through baptism. We're born into this new family, and it's great. It's exciting. Do we know how to take advantage of that, to get real intimate with these new family members? We are now children of God. We are truly daughters and sons of God the Father. We are brothers and sisters of God the Son. And we, in a very mysterious way, are spouses of the Holy Spirit. All of this is a deep mystery. Well, do we let the Holy Spirit act in our soul? Do we have that docility necessary for him to introduce us to the Father and the Son? In a sense, do we let him do whatever he wants with us? Right? This is the docility that we, we need in order for the Holy Spirit to build up the image of Christ in our soul. You know, especially we Americans, we have a tendency to activism. Here in New York City, it's the city that never sleeps. It's go, go, go all the time. People running from one place to another, jumping onto subway, subway cars just as the doors are closing, packed together like sardines. It's, it's the, the rat race, right? Everybody working so hard. And our tendency is to be very active. And this has a danger in the spiritual life, which is what we could call voluntarism, where we feel the need to do many things. And voluntarism is a, a, a mistaken notion where the will, our own will, becomes the protagonist of our interior life, where we think we can kind of work our way into holiness. We can will ourselves to sanctity. But we forget, we forget something so essential, which is that it's the sanctifier, not me, who carries out the work of sanctification. It is the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the Spirit of Christ in my soul, who ultimately is responsible for my holiness. It's, a, it's a, a nuanced dynamic, right? This relationship between our own freedom, right? The freedom of our heart and the power of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. Both have to be present, obviously, because we are free to love or not love. St. Augustine has that famous phrase, he who created you without you cannot save you without you. God wants nothing more than to save us, to bring us back completely to him in the beatific vision. But in order for that to happen, he counts on our freedom. He counts on our initiative. He counts on our responsibility. He counts on our fidelity. So let's avoid voluntarism. Let's avoid this activism that puts everything on our shoulders. Let's trust more in the Holy Spirit. Let's cooperate more with his grace. Are we attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our soul? And if this is working properly, then it really is, in a way, a process of, of absorption. We get pulled into the life of the Holy Trinity. We're participating in something infinitely greater than ourselves. And this is very co comforting right, to know 
that God is in charge, that God is all-powerful. Lord, let us be more open to your gifts. Let us be more open to really this unmerited gift, the gift of your very self. Moses understood this so well. We'll hear in the first reading for this Sunday that moment in which Moses ascends the Mount Sinai with the two stone tablets. And in the presence of God, Moses is very aware of his inadequacy. The Lord passed before Moses and cried out, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity. Moses at once bowed down to the ground in worship. Then he said, O Lord, if I find favor with you, do come along in our company. This is indeed a stiff-necked people. Yet pardon our wickedness and sins and receive us as your own. This is a beautiful prayer for Holy Trinity Sunday, where we turn to the God that we now see fully revealed in Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we say the same thing. We are stiff-necked, Lord. We are, we are weak. But you find favor with us. You have invited us to be your children. Receive us as your own. Receive us as your own. Come, Holy Spirit, fill my soul with your light. Make me an image of the Son. Make me truly a child of the Father. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. We could also say, God so loved the world that he gave us his mother as our own. Right? The mother of Jesus Christ, the mother of God, in a mysterious way has been also given to each one of us as our own mother. Another incredible gift that we can learn to cherish more. Mother Mary, help us to be grateful for all the gifts of your son, but especially the gift of his very self. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.